Welcome to the 3B3 Podcast, a weekly look at the world of hockey with your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. So, my question from last episode was, if construction is no longer allowed on Key Arena due to the pandemic, because eventually it may not, how does that play out for, for Seattle in the fall of 2021? What do you think will happen? Well, I'm just going to go pop your bubble right now because Inslee actually did say that it was going to progress. But the Northgate facility was not. Well, I mean, that can change at any time, though. Oh, um, sure, but they... Either way. <laughs> oh, I'm Sure. Um, yeah. The, the speculation is, and I will let Pat talk before I go on my rant, because I think I'm about ready to go on a rant. So I'm going to shut up and let Pat say something. All right. I, um, yeah. <laughs> they're going to have a, they're going to have a road heavy schedule in, in October. I'm just going to put that out there. October, 2021 road heavy schedule. And then, you know, they'll go nuts, but it pretty much means they will not be hosting the 2021 draft. I think I think we can put the nail in that coffin. Now let's get to the interesting part of the show. Take it right. take it away, Patrick. Let's go, Pat. And Patrick. <laughs> if I can sound like Selma on or Patty Bouvier. Homer. Um Oh my god in heaven. Uh-huh. I want a personal pandemic. This group pandemic is just not working for me. They uh they they circumnavigated a lot of their own laws because the <laughs> I gotta love this. This intricacy of the key arena roof, the old Seattle Center Arena roof, being deemed a historical landmark in the city of Seattle. Mm-hmm gives them the perfect loophole to continue the construction project because it needs to be secured and con- and the construction needs to continue to ensure the preservation of the landmark which is why they can go along doing their work but Northgate where the practice facility and the offices are cannot now that said um They've also indicated that they were sufficiently staffed and on schedule enough that even a couple of month layoff would not have impacted them too much for meeting their target open date. Now to your statement, Pat, nobody said what that target open date was. So that target open date could be November 1st. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't there a scheduled concert already on the books for sometime either late August, early September 2021? Uh, uh, wouldn't oh, su- someone's supposed to kick it off, you mean? Yeah, yeah, of- yeah exactly. Like um, Pearl Jam? Was it supposed to be Pearl Jam or something? Basically, the Gooey Ducks are not scheduled to be the first event inside the new building or new arena. Um, but get, given the state of 
anything that requires a ticket these days, everything is subject to change. So who who knows if that will still be the case. So as you were saying, Patrick, the opening date will be the opening date. Okay, so because we have this magic um this magic information information <laughs> repository <laughs> I'm going to hell um that they did agree with the Seattle Storm the WNBA franchise that they would have their home opener on the tw- on the 1st of June 2021 but wasn't so, there supposed to be a concert in like May of 2021? I swear that 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 was actually. I mean, I think I'm remembering what Pat is remembering. Is that there's supposed to be like a Seattle-based band or something is supposed to have a concert in like May, and that's the first official event? Well, and I mean, then it's the storm, and then it's the draft, and then it's whatever. Well, we're 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 jumping. We're, we're putting multiple, we're putting the construction of the cart before the cart before the horse when it comes to the draft because nobody has said they're hosting the draft. Right. True? It's just rumors at this point. Well, no, it's not. It's them saying we want to host the draft and the NHL hasn't said diddly. It's, they said they wanted to host the draft. Right. And, you know, people, reporters like, oh, I don't know, anyone with interest in Montreal and who may host next year's draft since they can't, you know, plan these dates out more than a year ahead of time. Um, Seattle's name keeps getting thrown in the ringer. Well, Montreal is apparently going to have building availability issues in June of 2021. So maybe Seattle might get it because there's talk of doing the expansion draft and then the player entry draft. Within a couple days of each other, plus or minus, all at the same location. So now the fact that reporters are actually talking about it more than just, you know, the ownership group, eh, there's probably a little smoke, but the building's not ready. The building's not ready. Yeah. I mean, Daly has like said that the Seattle has expressed an interest and he has left it at that. He hasn't said if the NHL has expressed an interest or not. That's that's kind of what I'm getting at. Is who generally leaks to the reporters? Is it the league or the GMs? It's the or GMs. The owners, right? So yeah. of course they're all going to say, "Well, you know, I really, I'm, I'm thinking we're going to host the draft." And one and, of the few times, this is one of the few times it's paid off. The leagues, you know, head honchos are acting like lawyers. Because they haven't painted themselves into a corner here. Right, this is true. Because it's it's sort of the old moniker, well, if we say it's going to happen, we just skip the part of asking them. Right? Oh, right. we're having the draft. And then the league goes, uh, um, we never said... And they just go out and tell everyone we're having the draft, and the league's got to go, oh, crap, I guess they have to have the draft now. You know, they can't say no if you don't, you know... They can't say no if you don't ask them. Well, by that logic, we would never have had a lockout, ever. (laughs) Well, this is true. 
Um, I am. I'm not finding anything about this magic concert you guys are talking about. No, it it seems to have vanished. Well, well I can't even find the face of the earth. I I can't even find anything historical about this magic concert. I mean, if they were going to do something like that, they could have Pearl Jam play at the Mural Amphitheater again, because that's effectively where they had their first kickoff show. Uh, right around the time Ten was released. I say this only because I know because I played there the day before and I really regretted my life. Because <clears throat> we didn't play in front of nearly as big a crowd as they did. <clears throat> but I'm not angry. <laughs> Nobody comes to see the mimes. <laughs> Which is what prog rock is to people, right? It's just, it's, I don't understand this crowd. What are they saying? Yeah, I don't know. So it's interesting that the um, the roof line of Key Arena is considered historic, but the building underneath it isn't. Skylines. Yeah. All about skylines. It's it's. So my last job, I worked with a cultural resource manager, and so there's so the uh, the landscape or the view is considered a cultural resource and that's what it falls under and i realize that but at the same time if a building is over 50 years old it's supposed to get the same protections as a building that is on the national historic register and i believe all of the seattle center is on the national historic register so that's why I was like, wait, they're demolishing all of Key Arena, yeah. but keeping the roof? That doesn't See, seem kosher to me. Then they're not demolishing all of Key Arena if they keep the roof. Right. You know, but it's supposed a, it's, to be other structural no, no, elements. No, no, no. The roof. Okay, the roof. It's a fine line, you know, between clever and stupid, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's the roof. The roof is part of the skyline. The roof, the roof, the roof's never been on fire. So we're not going to let it burn. Oh, thank you for making that joke so I didn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> I had it queued up and ready to go. Oh, God. Great minds steal from... Other great minds. Yeah. Um, so in, in doing my, you know, digging into the repository of information I have at my fingertips, uh, I'm guessing the cost overruns and early onset construction delays put off any plans for a concert, if you will, because originally they were hoping to open the building this fall at one point in time in history. So I, I, I think you're right. The, uh, the, the phantom concert was, it was just that it was something we made up along the way. Well, I, th I think it's another one of those. They just told you. And you went, oh yeah, I, you know, it's sort of like everyone believes Shaq or Sinbad was interesting, whatever the inverse of the what actually happened is. You know, people all think that Sinbad did this Shazam movie or Shaq did some movie he was never in. They just ran around and told you, we're going to have a concert there in fall of 2020. And you're like, oh, cool. And then the next thing you know, it's the Grapevine telephone game, right? Somebody in the press goes, well, there's a concert scheduled for fall of 2020, so they're going to have an open, and that becomes, you know, the report, and reports are. They never said who it was. 
to the best of my knowledge. Correct. I, I do remember that. I mean, it would, and to your point, Cassie, it would make sense to have a ribbon-cutting ceremony um, by Pearl Jam, but as that is likely to be a ticket bastard venue, <laughs> there's still some... Yeah, you know, they wouldn't do it. There's there's still some uh, some uh, animosity between those two entities. Yes. Because they didn't get the, the full cut from their portions of, uh, you know, building fees and whatnot. Once again, Ticketmaster, the Gary Bettman of the ticketing industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm gonna slightly disagree because at least Gary Bettman has some redeeming qualities. Ticketmaster does not. <clears throat> I, I could name a few off, Mike, but I can't, <laughs> I can't do it on the air. I'm staying out of this one. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, fine. Be that way. All right. Uh, you know, it's going to look good as the Amazon Prime Now Center. It, uh, so I've been thinking about that quite a bit. I think they're going to drop the Amazon. It's just going to be the Prime Now Center presented by Amazon. I don't think they need to present it. I mean, the Prime Now Center, well, I think. Isn't that the atrium thingy that they have going on for... with? Well, uh, those are your Starbucks grounds. No, no, no. They have. They they already have um, Alaska Airlines. The fan, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They already have like something, something presented by Alaska Airlines. That's presuming an airline has any money beyond this year that isn't given <laughs> by the federal government of any country. Anyway. Enough talk about current events. <laughs> well, no. What I was going to say is uh, the running joke there is, you know, if you order drinks to your seat, there it's four ninety nine for delivery in under an hour. Otherwise, there's free two hour delivery slots. Mm-hmm. That's you know. So that's yeah. how make, that's how they're going to make their money, right? Mm-hmm. Well, do you want these drinks within an hour? It'll cost you four ninety nine. Otherwise, you know, they can be delivered to your seat between six and eight. And the guy, <laughs> the guy always shows up at eight, right? Oh God! Yeah, that would not fly very well. <laughs> I don't think that'd go for very well. Yeah, but you can order Whole Foods stuff too. But you have to have a minimum order between Whole Foods and Amazon Prime because mm. you can't mm-hmm. cross streams. Mm-hmm. You should never cross streams. <laughs> I've been told that's true. Except when they cross the streams, and that worked. So. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, did it work or was that just lazy writing I'll hang up and listen (laughs) (laughs) oh god how dare you accuse Ivan Reitman of lazy writing I know how dare you Uh, alright any 1980s movie of lazy writing (laughs) Especially one by Sir Ivan Reitman. May he rest in peace. Uh-huh. Um, I had something that was... I had something that draft. Was. Um, no, I've, I've got the door closed, so I've got... The draft. <laughs> so, okay, let's go back for a second to this uh, uh, Northgate thingy. So, so then if, if the Seattle Gooey Ducks... Um, don't have a practice facility, where are they going to practice? Oh, Kent Valley. They'll practice down at the Kent Valley Ice Complex. 
Now, Everett, Everett would be on Everett. the right side of town where everybody's probably going to live. What are, you, what are you kidding? No. They're all going to be over on the east side. It's not going to make a bit of difference to them. Everett and Kent are equidistance apart from each other. Mm-hmm. The commute's just as bad in either direction. I No, just because the Kent complex has got Shower, the Shower Center, so they can have... Um, that's kind of what they were planning on doing at the at the north gate is having a small like 15 i think 15 or 2000 seat sheet and then the rest of them are just kind of standalone type little sheets they were supposed mm-hmm. to put in three sheets and showwares kind of got that so i mean they could easily go down there and practice in the morning while the whlers are in school cuz they're supposed to be in school <laughs> um uh-huh you know or take are. up or take up one of the other two sheets. You know, it's not I mean the King's practice facility is out in El Segundo, I think. Toyota Iceplex, so it's a hall. Right. Well, I was just thinking in terms of like anything on the north side because Northgate's on the north side. Eh. Eh. Wanting to keep everybody used to that commute kind of thing. Yeah, and players being the creatures of habit are most likely to live closer to the practice facility than the game day arena. I would guess, but... Mm, not. I don't think that's going to be the case out here. I, I will defer to the current resident of the greater metropolitan area, so... Yeah, I, don't, I think there's... Because... I mean, a lot of the Seahawks players don't live near the Kirkland facility or Renton, wherever the hell I moved it to. Kirkland, I think. Yeah, I don't remember the hell I moved it. Anyway, they don't. I don't know. And I now remember what the hell I was going to say. Um, um, people that do things different. <clears throat> That's what makes greatness. Because the whole thing with the crossing the streams is doing something different. I watched a moderately to some somewhat to moderately interesting documentary called in search of greatness and it's on amazon prime now streaming and it was pele gretzky and i forget who else they sat down and i honestly i do because i was just mesmerized by pele and gretzky being kind of honest about how they developed the skills that they had and they broke down a lot of other players and musicians and artists and so forth and this all is one circuitous way of coming back around to Pat's earlier rants that um, over-specializing is, is detrimental to creativity and skill because it really, at the end of the day, you saw in that documentary, almost to a person, the greatest players in any sport and a lot of the greatest musicians and artists were not specialized. Gretzky played a lot of a lot of lacrosse, a lot of baseball. Pele played soccer in a completely different environment growing up and didn't always play soccer. And they just came about things thinking so differently than anyone else. Because they had that perspective of, you know, the translation between swinging a baseball bat and swinging a hockey stick, mechanics are somewhat similar in certain degrees, but you know, the action and everything else is different, but also having to play fielder and thinking about where, you know, 
baseball is such a slow sport that you have to think, okay, if I'm pitching a certain pitch to a guy that's left-handed, the percentages are the the ball's going to go in this direction. And so they play that percentage. Where in hockey, you don't think about that. Right? If I've got a, you, you kind of don't have time, but you also don't think I've got a left-handed guy coming down on the right side, I need to step inside. You you do that kind of thinking, but he's also thinking I'm coming down on the left. I don't know, I'm right-handed, I'm coming down on the left side, I can do these other things. Because he's got a little different perspective. It was, it kind of drug in some parts, but it was actually fairly interesting to watch because it just highlighted how specialization actually kills creativity in all these different fields. And I'm going, God, yeah. You know, that's why I always say, if you want to ruin your business, get a Harvard MBA to CEO it because they've (laughs) just been trained to do one thing, right? So this leads me to a, to a nice little segue in question for you. Are you both following the most interesting hockey Twitter account? Out there, circa April second, two thousand twenty. I have no idea what that account is because I didn't read that article. I'm assuming it's the article you brought up, or the article that was in my timeline like five times that day. It certainly was. So Scott Powers, uh, Chicago-based writer for the Athletic, wrote a story about uh, USHL Chicago Steel GM Ryan Hardy. Oh. Yeah, now I haven't seen that. <laughs> okay, so this this does make for for a good transition. Um, Ryan Hardy's a GM of the Chicago Steel. They've been in the news quite a bit lately because they signed something. It's not a contract. It's some sort of an agreement with fifteen uh, year old center Adam Fantilli, who was speculated to be the Number one but, draft pick, potential number one in the in the CHL draft or OHL. Correct. Yeah, it was it was for the OHL. So basically, this up and coming prospect who couldn't get exceptional status in the OHL apparently. Um, I, that's my own speculation. I have no idea if that's true. Anyway, uh, he signed an agreement to play in the USHL and lots of CHLers, insiders, what have you, think that there was some collusion or, yes, you know. there was. Eh, I'm sure there was. No, I, I, but, go ahead. No, no. I, I don't know all the specifics of that signing. Okay, but. perfect. Here is a great opportunity to let everyone know that I am following that account and it had nothing to do with that article. He was on, he was on sound of hockey Mm -hmm. podcast. He, he is, uh, that, that GM Ryan is a, loves to go all those hack conferences, right? Hockey analytics conference. So he's CBJ hack, C hack, all of those. And he met up and hung out with, um, a couple of the hosts of that podcast. And so they had him on a couple of weeks ago and they asked him about that. And he said it was a sales pitch, but he is the new Dougie Hamilton because the Chicago steel have his older brother. Yes. 
And that was that was sort of the, you know, your older brother's been here. He's been doing great. And they that franchise is so entrenched with the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's not even funny. Oh, it's 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 mutated nepotism. It, it kind of is um, to a certain degree. You know, they they share some of the same coaches. And the other thing. The other thing that they had on their side is um, USH, USHL protects your status capabilities for the CHL as well as the NCAA. Correct. Mm-hmm. So that's that's their kicker. So you can come here, you can play for a year or two years, you can still get drafted in the OHL and go play there for a couple of years, or you can still go on to play college for a couple of years or three years or however long. And while you're here, by the way, we also have access to Daryl Belfry. Thank you. There's your skills coach. The name of names out there in the skills community right now is sort of the adjunct professor of skills coaching for this franchise. So yeah, they're, they're loading. There, there are like college recruiters to a certain degree. And that's the way, that's the way he came across on that podcast. He, the man loves to talk and he tells some great stories by the way. So he's not just one of those drones on. Um, so I would recommend going back and finding that episode and listening to at least his interview. Um, but yeah, he, he sort of goes on and says, you know, we've got this person, we've got this person, we've got this person and this person. And he's just, you know, checking off the names of all of these high powered uh, skills coaches and trainers and goalie coaches and, and this kind of crap in there. And that's how they're doing. He's going to these kids homes or talking to these parents and saying, your kid comes here, he can still go play. Um, collegiate hockey either in Canada or the States. He can still go to the OHL if he wants to or C-Days, anywhere in the CHL. But while he's here, he's going to get coached by some of the best. And that is not hyperbole in my mind either. No. Um, I, you know, I've been following him since the organization started their relationship with Daryl Belfry, who's a guy I've been following kind of from the outskirts as a sometimes coach uh, myself. Mm-hmm. And big thing about either of these guys, they were never players. They never made it in the NHL. They didn't have that pedigree. But they go about doing things a little differently. And, yeah. and, and there's some videos, and I'm going to have to find them, and hopefully I can send them out from the 3v3 Twitter account. Um some of their developmental practices and individual one-on-one work with certain players is amazing to the point where guys are traded around the new year's day, you know, CHL trade deadline and new players come in just kind of, they kind of gush about the process, you know, the, the work that they get to do once they get to Chicago and it's, it's, it's pretty fascinating. But the reason I brought all this up is because, you know, Scott Powers does this article because Ryan Hardy just kind of goes on a rant a couple nights ago yeah. on Twitter. And it it's pretty it's pretty funny. He basically calls the draft a bunch of nonsense because yeah. everything is hyperbolic and arbitrary based on, you know, 
preconceived notions that are built in August of the year and they follow through. So the yeah. concept being, unless you're viewed as a, you know, on the fence or a surefire first round draft pick, you're not going to move yourself up into the first round, no matter what you do. Yeah. And, and then he goes on and talks about at least in recent days, cause he's been doing a lot of um, Q's and Q and A's. He talks about, you know, highlighting players from the U 12 age and under uh, where basically whoever the fastest straight line skater is they're they're fast tracked into travel programs and, and skills development where they may not be that good or be able to process things one, because they're not at a mental cognitive state to do those because they're the brain yep. really doesn't fully form until 12, but then it's also, they're just doing the same thing over and over again. And they're just physically better than kids who are on different physical development tracks. Yep. And so, I mean, he goes on and on about different things like this, how uh, I think yeah. the last thing he sent out was basically the way kids are filtered from those early ages is pretty much ruined and, narrow focus the NHL to the point where it's at because there are no new games on right now. I've been watching some old playoff games from early two thousands, some in the late nineties and Holy crap are things just everything's fast now and clean. I'm not sure all the changes we see in the game today are for the best. Thank you. <laughs> so what that that rant he went on or that that dissertation I would prefer to call it, he actually expands on a great deal on that on that sound of hockey episode. So yeah. He, he was hysterical. He talked a little bit about how he got in trouble with the USHL or sort of skirted getting in trouble. Because they're not allowed to announce signings or make signings or something along those lines, and he and or they're not allowed to solicit players to come to these um, orientation camps or something along you know these these conditioning camps or whatever. So he sent out a list anyway of people. He said, "Hey, if you're interested." It wasn't, hey, we've got this person coming. It's if anybody on this list or anyone else, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, is interested in coming to one of our development camps this fall. Oh, he was cheeky. He was very cheeky. <laughs> but yeah, he does go on a, a pretty good um, uh, conversation with those guys about that sort of, you know, here's here's a kid who's the fastest skater who's got one of the hardest shots or something along these lines and and it's sort of, I always go back to my joke about the Heisman Trophy. The, how many Heisman winners have gone on to great NHL or NFL careers? Very few. Because they've reached the peak of their development. That's yeah. as far as they're going to make it. You know, there's a reason they're head and shoulders above everyone else in college football. Because they got there faster, but that's it for them. You know, Hobie Baker winners are hit and miss occasionally. Um, but, you know, somebody sitting at the top of AAA baseball is, that's it. 
oftentimes that's it. I had somewhere else where I was going to go and I completely lost my train of thought because I saw an Australian shepherd walking down the street. <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, that's the case for like, for like anything. I mean, even teams, you know, I mean, when February, March teams are peaking and, and uh, going on runs and everyone's like, yeah, that's too soon. They're going to totally crash and burn first round in playoffs. You know, it's part of the part of the thing with scouting is is knowing that and recognizing who has hit their peak and who is still um, ramping up towards it. So, um, and some teams recognize that better than others. <laughs> you know, how many how many first rounders have like crashed and burned in in the NHL because they hit their peak right before they got drafted? Yep. Yeah, that uh, history is littered with first-round draft picks that never amounted to anything. You know, who put up amazing numbers in their junior collegiate career and just never went anywhere. Which some some organization is really going to luck into the fact that they're not going to overvalue what would have happened in the Memorial Cup this year. Should they take a certain CHLer? Oh my god! Oh my god! I just think about that Seth Jones draft. You know, just uh, I'd I'd prefer not to think about it anymore because the team I root for drafted fifth. <sighs> well, I, I, mm-hmm. there was always that talk, you know, between him and McKinnon, right? One two, one two, one two, and. Maybe I'm maybe I'm the dinosaurial traditionalist of me. I mean, as much as I love Nathan McKinnon, wouldn't you rather have a Seth Jones on your blue line that you could build out from than a Nathan McKinnon where you had to worry about your defense? Oh, but you know, this is here's this is the the split, right? In hockey in general is when you're building a team, do you build from the goalie out or do you build from the, the offense back? And almost everybody, like overwhelmingly so, which just boggles my mind, quite frankly, is they would rather work from the scoring back than from the goalie out. Yeah, I I get it. You know, it's the it's the age old um, puzzle. Defense right? versus offense, right? Right, and that's it. You know, and Nathan McKinnon, God bless him, fantastic player. I mean, I I would have hated to be in their position. But he should have gone. Seth should have gone number two. You know, that's just yes. Th- that's a no-brainer <laughs> argument. What I'll, what I'll say to your point, Cassie, is former NHL defenseman Kevin Hatcher once scored 34 goals in a season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe don't overthink it on who to build from and just take the best player. Uh. <laughs> um. I think his... I, I have problems with that thinking too, but go on. <laughs> um, well, that way of thinking is supposed to save certain organizations from themselves, but mm. it only works out about half the time. Uh, if we were to revisit that draft, depending upon who had the number one overall pick, if circumstances were different, 
I think it would be a coin flip. I, I, depending upon what I already had in the system, I might take, I might take McKinnon still. I might take Jones. I, I think that's one of those where either way you're, you're going to be in pretty good shape. Maybe you draft for need because both, both players at the end of the day will have been worthy of being the first selection for their draft class. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying one or the other, but in my position, my mentality is I look at Seth Jones. I looked at that avalanche team and I just said, there is a cornerstone of that defense who is Norris, who's going to be Norris caliber. And the only reason he fell to four was what Pat? Nepotism. Nope. Oh, what was the? He had a bad Memorial Cup. Oh, right. With, which, but even if anyone who paid attention to the season, Portland wasn't that great of a team. Right. They were kind of, you know. But it was Portland. <sighs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know, it, there's nothing better than when, like, six games undoes 70. And you know one of the other reasons why the Avalanche definitely leaned towards McKinnon over Seth Jones? Well, yeah. They Lost. still had hopes for Eric Johnson. Well, actually, it was all Wah, because that was Wah's tenure, and he saw him all the time when he was coaching in the Quebec Major League. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, I... You know, hey. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like Eric Johnson. I think he's a very good defenseman. He is in no way, shape, or form number one on that team right now, or and hasn't been for years. No. So that's that's my little. Since he got drunk on a golf course and oh got injured, St. Louis. Uh, when when was that? Oh, was that, a- that was his draft. Draft plus, he wasn't, he was draft plus one. Yeah, just completely destroyed his knee getting out of a golf cart. Mm -hmm. Sauced. But to say to his credit, he's got the games played of being a first round NHL draft pick for a team. Not first overall, but yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, again, like the guy, I think he's a good defenseman. I just saying, I'm just saying he's overrated. That's all. No. <laughs> overrated by his team, overrated by his coach, overrated by mm, a good portion of the NHL. And so not only was Eric Johnson a part of that that defense prior to uh the McKinnon draft, listen to these names. Greg Zanon. Ryan Wilson, Ryan O'Brien, Shane O'Brien, Matt Hunwick, Jan Hayda, Stefan Elliott, and Tyson Berry. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> right. Now, the forward group doesn't look all that great outside of a Matt Duchesne and Ryan O'Reilly uh, and Gabe Landeskog, but. Uh, okay. But uh, I, na- I named three NHL players of. I've got pieces. Right. I've got pieces up front I can work with. How hard is it to find a defenseman? Uh, you know what I'm saying? Oh, I, yeah. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Uh-huh. 
Yep. And now, <laughs> now, now this road that we traveled has me reminiscing <laughs> about Milan Hayduke. Oh, oh Milan Hayduke. <sighs> Hall of very good inductee, Milan Hayduke. Oh, I, I, I have him a Hayduke jersey. One of my all-time favorite players. No way worthy of an NHL Hall of Fame, but he is in my sweater Hall of Fame. Because <laughs> man alive, that guy could undress people. Oh, that his uh, he led the league in goal scoring in o two o three, yet he finished twelfth in heart voting. Definitely. Yeah, dead puck time. He did win the. I mean, he won the Richard, obviously. Um, and he was voted second team All Star that year. Well, just just yeah, and that's after everyone else retired around him, and he was left there going, um, guys, <laughs> where did everyone go? Uh huh. I Although, mean, I wa- well, you said no two oh three. So was that when Forsberg had gone to uh, Philly at that point? No, no. This this was the year Forsberg won the heart. Oh, right. Uh, because in 75 games played, he had 29 goals and 77 assists. So I always did like discount his own scoring ability. That guy had a shot, but he would never use it. Oh, oh. no. Are we going to turn into, I mean, are we going to turn this episode into a Forsberg Stan episode? Cause we did totally can. With him and, and Paul Korea playing ping pong. Did you, sh- did you look at that? Yeah, I didn't care. Um, oh, man. I'm sorry. I just, I, no, no, because. What? Oh, you, weren't re- you weren't ready for summer hockey tweets in late March, early April? No, I, I didn't. I just didn't care because I saw him and I just, I started that interior weeping thing because, <laughs> oh, what could have been? Ah, uh, yes. You know, and yes. and then just going back and then, you know, like you, like you were wanting to do remembering the happy times and when we were using his last name as a verb and an adjective, mm-hmm. you've been Forsberg. Oh, he's Forsberging someone that, that move he did sort of late in his career with the abs. He just in the corner, in the corner <sighs> reverse check someone wrap around the net and do a fadeaway wrist shot shelf. Yep. Just all power. That was Pete. Uh. Oh. <laughs> Damn those feet. <sighs> oh. Yeah. Yeah, I need a cigarette now. <laughs> oh god. Oh. Get me out of here before I turn this into a weirder podcast <laughs> than it already is. Speaking Wait, of we're next weird? Week's episode, <laughs> speaking of next week's episode, um, here's your homework assignment, friends. It's not our 69th. No, no, no. We'll get to that. Okay. Pick one Peter Forsberg game from the NHL. So I'm. I don't want to hear about the postage stamp goal. That was nice. But it's, it's not, not the NHL. And it wasn't the Peter Forsberg, as you just described. 
What one game from his career should I go watch immediately after listening to this next episode? Follow us on Twitter at 3v3 Podcast. This has been the 3v3 Podcast, sponsored by Nobody.